0: For affliction come not forth from the dust, neither does trouble spring out from the ground. But man is born unto trouble, as the sparks fly upward. But as for me, I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause. Job 5, 6-8 through When I sat down to talk with Steve Cooper about the moment of his conversion, he was full of little nuggets of wisdom. He'd been meditating on God's word for 57 years at this point, so there was a lot to take in. But there was one thing he mentioned when we fell onto the subject of determinism and free will. Steve and I share the belief that our lives include a little bit of both. There's some things that we have sovereignty over And, considering our God being the eternal spirit that he is, some things are laid out for us. But Steve, nor I, know what that ratio looks like. Is it 50-50? 30-40? We can't be certain. However, Steve decided on one thing, and I think that one thing reveals the kind of faith Steve has. He said, If I have even just 5% free will, I'll take full accountability for that 5% and do everything I can to ensure that I'm living according to God's will for my life. Steve and his wife Debbie Cooper are good family friends of mine and it truly was a blessing to listen, learn, and love this man's story. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed recording it. God bless you, listeners. And now I turn you over to Stephen Cooper.
1: I'm Steve Cooper. I'm 73 years old. Um, got a big family, and uh, I've been a Christian since I was 16. Uh, I grew up in a uh, nominally Christian home, uh, in the Assembly of God church, raised in the in the Assemblies of God. But my my parents were just sort of church goers. At least my dad was. Uh, mom was a lot more sincere. For my own part, I wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> and. Uh, I think that I, I mean I think I would chalk that up to I just didn't want to toe the line, you know. I, I was pretty rebellious in my heart, um, but I was kind of a small person, so I the only way I could fight back was to be sneaky. Yeah, so that was I was that like that sneaky kid that would uh, sabotage things.
0: Mischief maker, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And uh, so I, uh, it was boring. I didn't believe any of that stuff, that Christian stuff. I wanted to do what I wanted to do,
0: and uh, and what was it that you wanted to do at at sixteen? Fifteen. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I just I wanted to get out of out from under my dad's thumb. That's one thing. I wanted to get away from the the abuse and uh, I had no career goals at 16. I was a terrible student. I, I really had very little positive feedback from any direction, barely graduated from high school. And uh, so, you know, I, I just wanted people to leave me alone. I wanted to go out in the woods and and be alone
0: build a cabin build a cabin all that (laughs) you know all that
1: all that fantasy right yeah Um, at that age I really loved nature and and I fantasized that nature liked me too (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) but that was my childhood fantasy I guess you know I just I just thought I could go off people would leave me alone you know stop nagging me about everything and I could do whatever I wanted then Having grown up in the church, I was a pro at ignoring the sermons. I mean, I, I, I had armor that was many feet thick, I think, and I'd heard all the stories, and I'd, you know, I'd just heard all of that. But I was in a pretty dark place uh, emotionally. I, I remember maybe, uh, maybe around 14 years old, I I remember one summer climbing up onto the roof of our house and just shaking my fist at heaven and cursing God, literally, with all the you know, the F-bomb and the S-bomb and all that kind of stuff, deliberately just, you know, putting my stake in the ground that I wanted none of this. In fact, there were times when I, rather than go to church, I actually snuck out into the a driveway several times and let the air out of our tires, out of one of our tires, so we, I of wouldn't the have of family vehicle. Family vehicle, so I uh, wouldn't have to, yeah, because huh. I just did not want to deal with it that day, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Right. You couldn't do that too often because they'd catch on, right? But um, you know, two or three times, I probably did that. But there was a particular day and it was, my birthday's in October, so it was right around the fall of 1966 that uh, I had pulled all my tricks. I couldn't get out of it. I had to go, I had, you know. So I sat there on the bench and, you know, listened, I, I didn't listen to anything. I couldn't tell you what the preacher talked about. But at the end, I mean, I don't know what happened. You know, we talk about conversion. I think about it in terms of the light being turned on. But I had just grown up in this dark room, this dark cave, and suddenly somebody turned on a light. I mean, I don't want to, I don't like to make too much out of it because now I have a master's degree in counseling. So, you know, I know that there can be all these uh, people can come to all kinds of conclusions. But as I sat there, and uh, they, were, they were closing the, uh, the meeting, and then the preacher said, uh, you know, if anyone wants to give their heart to the Lord, would you raise your hand? And I started to, I don't know what happened, honestly, because I hadn't paid a, a bit of attention. But suddenly in my heart, I heard God speak to me and he said, I love you. And it broke down, it broke me apart. All of that armor that I had was destroyed by God's love in that moment. And, I'm, and we're talking about this happened maybe in in five seconds. Suddenly, wasn't looking for it. It just happened. And so, when he said, "If you want to give your heart to God, raise your hand," I raised my hand and I stood up. And he said, "If you'd like to, someone to pray with you, come on down." And I ran to the front and I it was very cathartic very uh emotional a lot of crying a lot of repenting um, it went on for a couple of hours um, and it, i wasn't alone there were others um, but that was that was it that made uh, that's when the light turned on <laughs> you know and everything changed after that my whole world you know you you heard that Beatles song, um, there were birds in the, in the trees, but I never heard them singing. Yeah, that was my experience. It tunneled down in that one moment, and I became aware of my sin. Before that, I didn't see it as sin. I just saw, this is what I want to do, and I don't care if it's sin. In that moment, you know, as God worked with me right there in the, in the front there, I didn't you know, people were praying all around me, yes, but nobody was telling me anything. They were, they were just, um, I became aware of this need that I had in my heart for the love that he had spoken to me. And uh, I just gave it all up, just like that. For one thing, I had always been a very timid kid you know, um, because I was small for my age, the smallest kid in my class, um, probably didn't when I was sixteen, I probably weighed a hundred pounds, you know, kind of uh, the loser type, the one that gets picked on and all that kind of stuff, and I had was afraid a lot. the fear evaporated I was n- no no more afraid if God loved me, well what did I have to fear? you know it was like. Um, you know, you can, you can punch me, you can hurt me, but God loves me. So go ahead. <laughs> you know, uh, they say that in a, in war, you won't be effective until you accept your own death, that you, you accept the fact that you're probably dead anyway. So now that sets you free to go do your job. Right. And that's exactly how it, that was my
0: experience. Yeah, just the, yeah, the reverse. Exactly. It's like I, he spoke, yeah. he, he made you come alive. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And
1: then it didn't matter anymore. I didn't have a life of my own anymore that I had to protect. I, I didn't have to be afraid. It was transformative, absolutely transformative. I started talking to people when I went back to school. I started bringing my Bible to school. This was in 1966, okay? When uh, the, you know, the hippies, you know, were all that and drugs and Vietnam was going on and, you know, all of that, it didn't matter to me anymore. I had, I had God's love. I had been plugged in and that was just, changed everything. I I started working at school, started uh, working on my homework, speaking up. to my peers telling him about my experience it was <laughs> I, my best friend um cut me off said i want none of nothing to do with you anymore i said okay i won't pressure you but i just want you to know that i love you.
0: um going back to uh that day in the church when you heard God speak to you. You said he spoke to you in your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, Could you explain a little bit more what that means to you? Like how how exactly how would you communicate that with like uh, descriptive language, uh, that sensation Mm -hmm. of being spoke to in your heart?
1: Well, maybe the first thing was surprise. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) You know, it also it wasn't something I had to think about. Uh, up until that time i did i was not aware that i needed any love i mean i you know there was a i think there was a popular song around that time i am a rock i am an island i considered myself of that kind of person you know i didn't need anybody i didn't want anybody around i didn't need anybody's love i didn't i didn't miss it i'd never had it so when he said that to me, and I genuinely believe uh, that he did say that to me, it, it was a surprise. It was I was surprised that I even responded to that in one way.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially like describing yourself as being like a rock or an island, kind of like you don't need anybody to... You know that that's from God because it's something that you wouldn't even consider yourself. Exactly,
1: exactly. So I didn't have a girlfriend, didn't care about girls, um, didn't care about anything. Um, I liked animals, you know. In that, in and that trees way. in the forest. Sure. <laughs> things that wouldn't talk back to me. Yeah. <laughs> or hassle me, you know. But uh, that simple phrase, I love you, It was so impactful, it just like it um, opened up rooms that I didn't even know I had inside. And in fact, I'd have to say that over the next two, three days, um, I began began to be aware of having a care for people that I didn't know I had. That was huge. I mean, it just transformed everything. You know, the, the colors were brighter. The sounds were sweeter. And uh, when I looked out and I saw people, I saw human beings. I mean, I saw people instead of just like furniture that I had to negotiate my way through the school halls, you know, Um, the kids in church uh, that I had never made any friends in church. Suddenly, these were people. and. I began to care for it. Uh, th- these are all new experiences for me at that point. You know, I think, you know, it's a big, it's a, a long journey um, with lots of ups and downs. Um, first of all, I felt, you know, overwhelmed by God's mercy and His goodness to me. The Bible just became alive to me. I, I could read the begats, you know, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and I'm going, whoa,
0: wow,
1: you know, because yeah. <laughs> everything, everything in the Bible just became amazing to me, and I just devoured it. But after a while, the high goes away, right? You, I could almost say that during that first couple of years, when things were just so brilliant, I didn't even need faith. I was riding the crest of a huge wave, you know. But that has to go away because then uh, you have to come into a life of faith. And faith, I've I've come to believe that faith is, uh, I guess you could say, put it this way, the limits of your faith are what define your faith. They like outline your faith. You reach a place where you question and you doubt and you wonder, and uh, and then you and then each time that happens, you make a you have to make a decision. And if you continue to decide, I'm going to live by faith, then you have faith. And if you decide now nah, this is too much. Then you lose faith.
0: Yeah. Well, faith is like kind of—it's synonymous with trust, right? Yeah. 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 I think
1: that's part of it. I yeah. do. Um, I think that faith is—you know—you can have hope. There's a place in the Bible that talks about faith, hope, and love, and uh, the greatest is love. I think that um, when hope matures, it becomes faith and when faith matures it becomes love. And uh, so that's been the journey to encounter one's own weakness, right? So I here I am and I have the name of Christian. But then I and I and I and I'm working with the Bible and I'm getting all these truths from the Bible, but then I realize that you know by my I would say by my 30s I begin to realize that I'm starting to use the Bible like a bag of rocks to throw at other people.
0: Oh, yeah, like more kind of accusatory. Yeah, 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 right?
1: You know, you're a Bible thumper and you're, you know, just hurling these verses and judging. And at a certain point, that had to change. God couldn't let me stay that kind of a person. Because he he wanted me to be with him forever, right? And that meant I had to change. God's not going to change. So then I have to change. So at a certain point then, my faith became sort of an aggressive thing that I was hurling at other people, but then it needed to change again so that it became something that I used to judge myself. So that I'm not don't end up being condemned with the world. And uh, that again was another transformation. So it's been a series of transformations. My conversion was just one in in a beginning of a series of transformations where the light is turned on and now I get to explore all these places that I didn't know I had. There's a, a verse in the Psalms and David says, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and I, re- I remember being at work one day. I was working as an electrician when that, and you know, during lunch, and uh, and that verse came to my came to me with a- astonishing clarity. And I realized that I would make no more progress unless I took this up as my personal battle, and as I've began to apply that uh, principle to look at myself I realized that I was just so full of judgment towards other people and then you think about the scripture that says um, all souls are mine says the Lord and in James it says um, that men are created in his image. And now I'm judging all these people who are created in God's image. That just, I cannot allow that to, to continue. That's been a, a probably, I would say over the last 25 years, uh, one of the biggest areas of growth for me. When I was uh, 33 years old, I'd been married 12 years, had five kids. My wife got cancer and she passed away. Left me with five children, baby was five months old. And uh, one of my colleagues back then said, didn't that shake your faith? And I said, I have no choice but to cling to God. My faith is not shaken, it has increased more and more because he's my hope he's my rock it's written there and uh, also I think in the Psalms that uh, we flee to him for refuge and uh, when I have encountered when you know when I had to go through that loss and then all the grief you know and all the, the the labor and the dark nights by myself and uh, you know kids throwing up and all these little bottoms to wipe. In all those times, he was my rock and shield. He was my light, he was my way forward. And yeah, it's brought me a lot of wonderful friends, a lot of wonderful experiences, but even without all those experiences, to know that he lives in my heart by faith, that's, I can never turn away from that. It is as living to me today, um, all these years later, as it was in the beginning, and even more so in some ways. So yeah, I. Of course, you can't manufacture it, <laughs> and uh, the thing that I've learned too is that you can't, you don't sell Jesus like you you sell soap or something, right? But if uh, but those, those folks who who have a sense that they want a deeper life, I believe God will meet them, remain open, remain seeking. He said that uh, if you seek me, you will find me. You seek me with all your heart. And I've got to add to that, um, even some of us who weren't seeking him also find him. (laughs)
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to Steve Cooper's story. Um, I hope that you glean some wisdom and some insights into God's Word by listening to this man uh, reflect on the time that he was converted and the things that he learned throughout his life, living according to God's Word and according to Christ's um, teachings so if uh, If you take anything away from this i hope that you take away um just some reflection of your own life and um if you haven't had your own conversion or you haven't been converted to christianity then maybe this is a moment to think about how um christ has entered the lives of real people and changed real hearts and maybe that might seem kind of airy fairy to you or mystical but it's to these people to people like steve it was real very real as the air we breathe so and if you are a christian i hope that maybe you heard something new or something encouraging that will strengthen your walk with uh, christ so anyway uh i'm just some dude just some dude recording a podcast (laughs) called graceful encounters and i hope that you enjoyed it um the last friday of every month i'm going to attempt to release an episode so that's when you can tune back for the next episode but that all depends on if i find somebody to share their story just like steve did so um but yeah look forward to uh last friday of every month and um Yeah, that's pretty much it. So all the best and God bless you. All right, bye-bye.